Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers, down here in lovely Tampa, Florida. We have a regular uh, guest to the podcast, one Michael Banks up in Birmingham, Alabama. He's joining us for the for the episode today. Mike, how you doing? Doing well, Jason. How's it been going? It is. We're a full, we are in full blown football season, hurricane season, and uh, we we dodged a bullet down here in Tampa. I know lots of people on the on the East Coast uh, kind of dodged a bullet too. Obviously, you had the terrible situation in the Bahamas uh, where they got crushed. Um, so hopefully, if you're listening anywhere near the Bahamas, it's terrible down there. Hang in there. Um, it's incredible how that hurricane just sat on the top of that island for basically a day and a half or whatever it ended up being, but crazy. Yeah, it was scary stuff watching it from afar. I can't imagine going through that. Man, I mean, usually I know these storms are always bad, but man, usually they, they blow through within a couple hours and it's moved on. But man, you imagine being in, being 160 mile an hour winds for 24 straight hours and just praying to God your roof doesn't come off and all that stuff. That's just terrible. Yeah. yeah just all the not... flooding and just the flooding and all that kind of stuff too, man. Uh, definitely, definitely scary for sure. The, wa- the the sad part is the water never loses. The water always wins. So It always but, finds a way. And obviously I know the storm's going kind of up the East Coast. So obviously hopefully everybody on the East Coast, South Carolina, Georgia, Georgia South Carolina, North Carolina, are okay, and I um, hope everything uh, is, is good on your end. So, but yeah, we dodged another bullet, another Labor Day weekend of dodging a bullet of, of, a, of, a, of a big, big storm uh, that could have been catastrophic. So, all right. So, if you want to reach out to the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. We got a couple ways you can reach out to us. Our Twitter feed is at Kick the FB, like football, but FB at Kick the FB, or you can send us an email. Sportspowers at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from you. Suggestions, comments, whatever it is, we'd love to hear from you. And again, tonight on the episode, we are going to talk. It's going to be all pretty much an all football episode. We are we are in the throes of football season. We're going to talk some college football. We're going to break down the games from last week. There were a couple uh, really good college games. We're going to talk transfer quarterbacks. We're going to talk some preview, a couple of the big games this this coming up week on the college football slate. There's a couple of big monster games, and then we're going to give it. We're going to give a a division by division NFL preview. We're going to pick division winners. We're going to pick wild cards. And we're going to give you a Super Bowl champion as well as we head into week one of the NFL season. I'm going to give you some pewter picks. So if you want to if you want to make an investment with your man, listen to my picks. The pewter picks are here for you. We're here to make you some cash. And lastly, we'll give a little, quick little U.S. Open update. We're getting to the to the dying stages of the U.S. Open, and we'll give you a little update on the U.S. Open. Some interesting uh, couple storylines as we get to the come to the finish line of the U.S. Open. But first, let's get to college football. Basically, our week one of college football was this week, where everybody pretty much played this week. The game of the week, Mike, from your neck of the woods, your Auburn Tigers <laughs> and the Oregon Ducks. Shout out to my girl Martha and her Oregon Ducks. And Mike, you, I know you're a big fan of 
one Gus Malzahn and the Auburn Auburn Tigers. <laughs> yeah, playing in, playing, in, playing in Jerry World. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm not a big fan. Let's not let's get that straight. But uh, <clears throat> um, I thought that Oregon really uh, really missed the boat there. I thought that they they had them and and got conservative at the end. They let Auburn hang around, and um, Auburn made them pay. And and Bo Nix looked like. Uh, a seasoned veteran on that last drive, as opposed to the rest of the game where he did not look that great, but um, he looked good when it counted and, and Oregon paid for the conservative play calling. And um, I, I thought that, uh, thought the key well, in that I, game, I think, I think I was saying, I, I thought the key in that game was actually when uh, Herbert got hurt right before that fourth down and, uh, and they called the timeout to try to get him back in, but they wouldn't let him come back in. And then they ended up, or it might've been a third down play. I can't remember which one it was, but um, it was right after he got hurt. And I thought that was a key play because if he's in there, I feel like they might've got that converted that uh, down and, and who knows what would have happened. So. Yeah. Your boy, Christopher, Christopher, didn't know the rules. He yeah. thought he could buy him back in the game with a timeout. So he ends up burning a second timeout when he realizes he can't get him back in the game because they don't know what play they want to call. And so they that no, that was after third down. It was going into fourth down. Right. So basically, instead of having a, a kind of a run pass option on fourth down, they, they basically ran, ran the ball off yeah. tackle left. Terrible play calling. I mean, obviously they didn't have much in the bag without Herbert. But if you look, if you look at the replay, it looks like Cristobal asked the official if he could call a timeout and get him back in. And the official shook his head yes. So I don't know if that's for sure or not, but that's what it looked like to me because he did consult with the official before he called the timeout. And, and it did look like he was asking a question. So, But either way, Auburn, right. uh, Auburn looked good on that last drive and, and, and uh, came up with the big plays when they needed them. I mean, they, they, Auburn had no business winning that football game. I mean, I, I watched that game from head to toe. And that game should have been way more than what it was at halftime. The differential should have been at least two touchdowns, if not 17 points at the half. And yep. to me, to me, the game turned on one play. When, when Herbert fumbled on the 10-yard line and the guy runs it 85 yards the other way, if they score there, I think the game's over. And, and, and granted, they held Auburn to a field goal, but still the momentum of the game completely changed when Herbert fumbled that ball on the 10-yard line. Yeah. Yeah, it did. And like I said, you, you couple that with a, just a couple big plays. And I agree with you. I mean, Auburn really had no business being in that game as bad as they played, you know, through a couple, uh, through a, in, a turnover and in, uh, interception in the end zone. I mean, you know, you do that kind of stuff. Normally get you, it'll get you beat nine times out of 10, but um, Oregon just did not, could not finish the game. And the, and the sad part is for Oregon, I think they've got a pretty, I mean, they showed it like they, they were a very physical team. I was impressed at how physical they were, yes. how, how much they held up against Auburn, who's got a very prolific defensive line. Um, I, I mean, all, Oregon was every bit, as, every bit as physical as Auburn, if not more physical, over the course of the entire game. And um, I think that's going to be a game that Oregon's going to regret at the end of the year if they were to go 10-2, and 11-1. and one. Right. Uh, if they were to go 11-1, and one, I think that game, will, that game will help them as far as the, the, the college football playoff. But if they if they lose another, they pretty much have gotten rid of their margin of error now because yeah. they, they that's a game you got to win. And I, I agree with you on the physicality of, of Oregon. It looks like Crystal Ball. You can tell he is paying off 
and he is rubbing off on his players. He he wanted to to have a physical team, the finesse style of offense. He doesn't, you know, he wants the skill players, but he doesn't want just to be a bunch of finesse guys. And and I, you can definitely tell uh, his imprint on that team for sure. And again, I'll get, you got to you got to give you got to give Nick's credit. I mean, he didn't he played very poorly for you know seventy five percent of the game, but like I said, the couple throws he had to make at the end, he did. I mean, granted, the last throw, I'm not going to give him a ton of credit. He just no. basically threw he just threw it up for grabs. It was it was basically a fifty fifty ball. But the third down throw that he made on the, like the ten or twelve yard out route, and then he obviously ran for the first down on fourth down. He made it by you know three inches. You got to give him credit for that. But he, they look like they. He looks like he he's got the 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 tools and the charisma to do to be the to be the leader of the team on the offensive side. Yeah, and and like you said, that it was a 50-50 ball, the touchdown pass. I mean, and the the receiver just made a great adjustment on the ball coming back for it, and then you know shaking the defender free to score. But um, he did, like you said, he made the good plays, getting the first down, and 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 nothing will win a team over than being able to. You know, as a, especially especially as a true freshman, being able to lead a team down the field for a victory in your first game on the field. So, right, uh, he definitely he definitely won over his team uh, for now, and uh, he definitely has the uh, support of the Auburn fans, I'm sure. So, and and, and just and just and, and last thing on this game, we'll move on. What what is it, it, it was very sad. Obviously, if you didn't you've been following the podcast. Auburn's play-by-play guy, Rod Bramlett, was killed in a tragic car accident over the summer. Wouldn't that have been a fantastic game for him to get the call, you know, that kind of game? He obviously has his, he has his historic call with the kick six and all that stuff. So yes, thank you. You, you wonder if, you wonder if uh, it, it was from the heavens that uh, they got the break like that at the end and scored the touchdown late. Yeah, it was pretty um... – it was pretty miraculous. He definitely would have had a uh, field day with that call, um, and definitely a uh, a tragic thing on uh, <clears throat> uh, his him and his wife's wife's death uh, this summer for sure. Yep. All right, so let's go from the euphoria of Auburn to the debacle <laughs> and the disgrace of of Tennessee and Florida State. Uh, if you didn't if you didn't see it, Tennessee lost to a Georgia State team. Which was basically it was basically a guarantee game. Georgia State came into the game and they won two games back in last year. Georgia State's a member of the Sun Belt Conference. They've been playing football for six or seven years only. And your boy Jeremy Pruitt, our boy from Hoover High School, Florida State, Alabama, Georgia. Now he's the head coach at Tennessee with a full fledged debacle in Knoxville on his hands. Wow. Yeah, that's a major wow. Um we were watching it when we were, I think it was ending right around the time the Bama, you know, Bama was playing. So we were seeing the highlights and I, I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, couldn't happen to a nicer guy than Phil Fulmer, but uh, yeah, that that's embarrassing. I mean, it's one thing to get beat by a non-Power 5 school. It's another thing to get beat by a non-Power 5 at home, but it's even another thing to get beat by a team that won two games last year. And like you said, has been playing football for, you know, le- less time than Jeremy Pruitt's been coaching. I mean, that's, that, that is, that's a sad, that's a sad state of affairs up in Knoxville right now. And, and, a, and a hurt and a, and a hurting on my uh, resale value of my Tennessee tickets, by the way. <laughs> you, you got Bama Tennessee tickets for the third Saturday in October. 
I mean, I, we have season tickets, but we, you know, we're we're trying to sell those, and the price is plummeting as we speak. It, it's like the uh, stock market. Yeah, that, that. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just again, I didn't watch any of the game. I just I saw the score. And I, you know, obviously, you know, in a game like that, obviously, the the margins between the haves and the have-nots in college football are so much smaller than they used to be. But still, that's just a game. Your Tennessee, you're trying to build a program. They they showed some signs last year of of of, of, of I won't say a rebirth, but at least being more way more competitive than they had been under Butch Jones. Under and on so, the right track. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but that's just to me. That's just when you lose a game like that. That just takes all the wind out of your program. And, this, and again, this could be something where it could crater in a hurry in Knoxville. This could be something where you lose this game. They got a tough game this week against BYU, who's very capable. They lose that game. That could be that could that could be four and eight, three and nine all over it before you even get into SEC play. Yeah, and like you said, you got to you got to play Georgia. You got to play Florida. You got to play Alabama on the road in in Tuscaloosa. That's th- that, that's pretty much you're guaranteed three losses right there. I mean, that's so you're yeah. Already, I mean, you're already zero and three at that point. I mean, granted, granted, anything can happen. We know that, but. You're pretty much 0-3 there, and then you lose this game that you should win. There's four losses right there, and you haven't even really started the season. So, Right. Oof. All right, so let's, let's move down to my neck of the woods, one Tallahassee, Florida. The Florida State-Boise State game was, was originally scheduled for Jacksonville due to the storm, the hurricane. They moved the game from Saturday night to Saturday at noon in Tallahassee. Again, one more element of the, of the equation you would think would be a major advantage for Florida State with the heat, now it being a home game, all that stuff that goes into that. And middle of the second quarter, it's 21-3 to and 31-13. to You're thinking, okay, Florida State's showing some signs. The offense has scored 31 points in less than a half. And lo and behold, a true freshman quarterback from Boise – Florida State doesn't score again, and the defense is a sieve, and all of a sudden, Boise State 36, Florida State 31 in year two, Willie Taggart. Wow. You know, we, we had a couple of these discussions last year, if I'm not mistaken, about coaches on the hot seat, <laughs> and Willie Taggart was a frequent conversation uh, piece uh, on that matter, and it's not it's not starting off well again this year. I mean, that when I saw that score, I, I was keeping up with the score initially, and I saw that it was 31-13, and I thought it was over with. I really did. I, I didn't even pay attention to it again until I saw a highlight and, you know, of course, Boise State winning the game. I, I, I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, that – I mean, like I, said, I, I, it, it, I, I wouldn't have killed Florida State if they had lost the game. But, but when, you're up 31, when you're up 31-13, I didn't realize Boise had a true freshman quarterback. And when you're up 31-13, they brought in Kendall Browse, who's the son of Art Browse, being the new OC, score 31 points in basically a quarter, basically 25 minutes of action, which that, that's a good sign. But just the inability defensively to make a stand, to stop them, not even be able to score in the second half. There was a play in the, I don't know if it was third, third quarter, early fourth quarter, where Boise fumbled on about the five-yard line. The ball rolled square into the FSU guy's hands. Instead of just falling on the ball, he tries to scoop it and score. He scoops it up. His teammate collides with him. He then fumbles the ball, and Boise State re-recovers the fumble at the three-yard line. 
I mean, just those are the kind of plays that winning teams don't make. They recover the ball. They fall on it. Florida State ball. They probably win the game at that point. But when you give, you know, when, you, when you're just making boneheaded play after boneheaded play, and then Willie, Willie comes out after the game yesterday and says, well, we're going to examine our hyd- – apparently there was a hydration issue with our players. I'm really going to take a look at what, what, what happened to our hydration. Why, are, why were our players not hydrated properly? When you're making public comments like that, that is big trouble in my opinion. Well, yeah, and, you know, going just a couple of those points. First on the, you know, trying to scoop and score, that's all coaching. I mean, that is that is 100% coaching. That's not talent. That's not I have better players than you do. Any Joe can go out there and scoop and, and, and know what to do to fall on a football. I mean, that's that's just common sense uh, and coaching. But And then the other part, I agree. I completely agree with that part. What – what are you blaming here? Are we blaming the heat? You you live in Tallahassee. Your players practice in this every day, and you're getting a team from up in Idaho. I can tell you right now, the northern part of the United States right now is not that hot. I'm going to Boston this weekend. It's probably 70 degrees at most. 75 is going to be the high. These teams aren't used to it. That's what you have the advantage for, like you said. You And then not only that, you bring them even further to Tallahassee. I mean, you can't be blaming Gatorade. 12, 12 o'clock kickoff <laughs> in the middle of the day, the heat of the day. I mean, just crazy. I mean, what was the temperature at kickoff? 95, 98? Oh, had to have been had to have been had to have been 95 and probably over 100 on the field. Had to have been. Easily, easily. There's no question. So, uh, yeah. And I'm just I don't get I don't get why Willie's going to why is Willie going to bring if even if that's what he thinks, why would you ever bring that up publicly to the public? No. It just, just it said, makes you look like a buffoon. And somebody that doesn't have any any oversight on this program. Well, and anytime anytime a coach does something that's foolish like that, I always go back and say, could you ever imagine a Nick Saban doing that? Could you ever imagine Nick Saban saying, "Well, we just really didn't hydrate our players properly." Like that that's taken care of. Those are the little things. Like right. And, and even if he did, and like you said, even if he wasn't doing it or the it didn't get done right. He's not going to admit it out publicly. Yeah. Because <laughs> like you said, it makes you look stupid. It makes you look like you don't have control over your program and you're supposed to be in charge of your program. And that's, that's a big problem. I, I agree with you. It's a big problem. Yeah. I just, and, and I'm, a, and I, you know, obviously I went there, played there. So I want, I want Willie to do well, but man, he just, he just keeps stepping on his own toes and just, and is just showing, not showing much of the, of an ability to be a head coach. You know, I, Willie might just kind of be the guy, kind of guy who's who, who's destined to be a coordinator or maybe a head coach at a, at a at a you know non-power five type of school because he's just I mean and Grant I'm not gonna I'm not we're not gonna you know hang him in effigy after one game but he's been there 13 games now and he's five and eight as a head coach at Florida State and that's just at that at that school at that program that's unacceptable and he yeah. better win eight games this year because if he doesn't win eight games he's gonna get I think he's gonna get fired. Well, and like you said, it's unacceptable at Florida State. I mean, I, I made that comment to, to some family members that I was with. I said, how far has that program fallen? Boy, Jimbo left and, and the wheels have just fallen off. I mean, and even in Jimbo's last year, it, was, it wasn't that great. I mean, obviously, you had the injury in the Alabama game and, and everything that, you know, with the hype that year, and, and it just didn't, didn't work out that way. But uh, – I mean, yeah, you're talking about a program that's always for the last, what, 
thirty eight, years eight, seven, eight years, seven years ago, they were national champions. Right. And, and seven years ago, national champions. Yeah. Yeah. When they beat Auburn in, in uh, 2012. That's right. And and you're talking about a team that's always, always in the top 10. I mean, how many top five finishes did Bobby Bowden have? And, and then they even continued after that. I mean, you're just talking about a program that's always at the top and to not even you're it's not even a question of, well, they're not making the playoff. They're not even they're not even finishing with a winning record. And making a bowl game. Yeah, they're they're not even they're not even an ACC championship game contention, much less being a national power. That's, that's the not, that's the scary part. No, and 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 really in that conference, if you can get by Clemson, you should be able to. You should, that's your toughest game all year, pretty much. I mean, with the way the rest of the conference is right now, it's not like it's a, a super tough conference right now. Oh, I mean, they, they absolutely should be the second-best team in that conference at worst. I agree. I agree with so, that. Well, all right. So, let's, so big, again, big problems in Tallahassee and in Knoxville. Let's do a quick quick note about the transfer quarterbacks. That was all the rage and talk over the summer was all the guys that were transferring, a lot of the big names. You had Jalen Hurts going to Oklahoma, Jacob Eason going to Washington, Justin Fields going to Ohio State. So uh, all three guys played very well. All played, yeah. Jalen played really well Sunday night. Again, Houston's not much of a defensive opponent, but he did play very well. And he looked in his rushing, his rushing effort. I think was what the you know big is a, is a big thing that Oklahoma has not had in previous years when they had Mayfield and when they had Kyler Murray. Hurts uh, is Hurts is almost like another running back, and yeah. his pat his passing seems to be have improved, and it'll be interesting to see how he progresses throughout the year. And not only that, I don't know if you watched the uh, post game, but he still got the Nick Saban and Alabama in it. You know, he rushes, he puts up 500 plus yards and five, six touchdowns. And they ask him, you know, how about that performance? And he's like, we still got work to do. You know, we're, we're really yeah. sloppy. And, and it just was funny because it was like, it, it was like watching an Alabama press conference <laughs> all over again. I mean, that part of him is is still yep. there. That humility and, and that um, that part of like you know never satisfied until until you get it right and until you win it all. And but I'm happy for Jalen Hurts as an Alabama yeah. fan. We we all are appreciative of, of how he handled himself last year and what could have been a really bad situation he turned into a good situation and it's paying off for him and we're very pleased with him and. Um, obviously, as an Alabama fan, we're also kind of scared to, that we might have to face them. Uh, the per yeah, the perfect narrative would be a would be a semifinal matchup, Oklahoma and Alabama. <laughs> that would be the perfect. Uh, you uh, know, if if both teams get that far, that would be the perfect matchup. Would be Oklahoma Alabama. Yeah, that'd so, be a tough one. That'd be a tough one. But but uh, but yeah, I, I'm happy. I'm happy for Jalen Hurts. And, and uh, yeah. I think I think most of the country just, is. Just I think the, most of the country is. Yeah. So. He he handled it pretty much the right way. He kept his mouth shut. Played played it out at Alabama. Obviously, he graduated, so he was able to transfer. Um, so yeah, he handled it the right way, I think. And 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 more guys need to kind of model their how they do it. How I would say most guys, but he was in a unique situation. He had the ability to do that, and he and he and he and he handled it the right way for sure. Yeah, so, yeah. all right, so let's go. Justin Fields, Ohio State. I watched a little bit of that game. He had a big first quarter, and it seemed like after the first quarter, I don't think I don't know if they took off, pulled off the dogs on, on our, our boy Lane Kiffin in FAU, but they kind of, you know, Fields had a good first day. I'm sure they they played. He didn't play probably a half at the most, 
Uh, good start for him. My thing with him is going to be how does he how can he if he has to throw the ball consistently is he going to be able to do that? Um, that conference has some good teams. They got Penn State, Michigan's really good. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how how he handles uh, the expectations up in Columbus. Yeah, you know, passing is obviously the biggest thing because that's really I think what held him back from getting the job in Georgia last year. So I definitely think that, that the passing has got to improve and. Um, he's definitely a dynamic player. There's no question about that. But, um, you know, Ohio State's had dy- dynamic quarterbacks in the past, but that doesn't necessarily always mean that you're gonna you're gonna run through the Big Ten. So, and I think that I think that I think the guy, the wild card in all this, as far as the transfer QBs, I think could be Jacob Eason. I think him going to Washington. He grew up out there. He was the number one recruit in the country. Coming to Georgia, he's your he's your prototypical drop back passer. I think he this this is a guy that could could uh, could really put Washington back on the map as far as offensively. They've always had a good Chris Peterson calling plays. I think Easton could be a big time factor for uh, Washington out west, and this could be a team if they were able to beat, they were able to get by Oregon. I think that this is a team that could potentially go you know eleven and one, twelve and zero. Yeah, and Easton, um, like you said, you know the. This guy was really Wally Pipped out of Georgia. I mean, he gets hurt, and Jacob Fromm comes in, plays Notre Dame, and the rest is history for for Fromm and, and Georgia. And Eason was kind of, you know, then obviously Justin Fields came in, and Eason was relegated to third string as the number one prospect in the country just two years prior. So uh, it definitely, I, you know, Washington got a, Washington got a steal for sure to be able to get that guy to come back home. He's probably a lot more comfortable playing back at home and around fa- family and friends. So, uh, and, and in that conference, Oregon looked like we said they looked the part for ninety percent of the game against a tough SEC team. But other than them, USC is in a lot of trouble right now with with uh, JT Daniels out. And yeah, who else is going to challenge in the Pac-12? The Urban Meyer watch is turned on immediately out in L.A. (laughs) (laughs) What is the – how many hours and weeks left until Urban Meyer gets named the head coach at USC? (laughs) I feel bad for Clay Helton, though. I mean – I do, because not that he was going to keep – not that necessarily they were going to win a bunch of games with with JT Daniels, but he really is put behind the eight ball now because he basically has three freshman quarterbacks left on his roster. And, and they had a guy that, that had some experience at transfer because he lost out the, to uh, to Daniels. JT so, Daniels. Yeah. So it's that's <laughs> a that's a really tough situation. Yeah. So, all right. So I think I think yep, Blake Barnett is still available though. Blake 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 had a rough Blake had a rough outing down here in Tampa last week. Uh, lots of there was lots of talk that Wisconsin came to town last Friday night here to Ray J. And there was lots of talk that it was going to be a very competitive game. And I was refereeing my high school football game, was checking us, checking the score at halftime of my high school game just because I was thinking, okay, USF's got a chance to hang in there. They got a new offensive coordinator, Blake Barnett's back for another year. And the first score I saw was 35 to nothing. I was like, oh, my Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they, they struggled mightily down here. Wisconsin came down and laid the wood to Charlie Strong and the Bulls. And uh, a very surprising result. Not that not that Wisconsin won, but by by the fashion that they won was very surprising. It was like forty nine nothing or something like that. Yes, it was a forty. And the, and the obligatory field goal at the end to avoid the shutout was 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 a was a fresh T.J. Hooker dead left. 
Turn those hips. But they don't need any help. But they don't need any help. They don't need any help, though. Remember? (laughs) 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 Uh, All right. So let's preview week two. Got a couple good games on the docket. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. We're, there's two big games: Texas A&M, Clemson, and then you have LSU, Texas. And then we're gonna talk about a, one or two other kind of sneaky good games. So, um, A&M, Clemson. I think this this could be a pretty good ball game. I think Jimbo. He may not be. He he obviously is not quite up to par as far as athlete for athlete with Clemson. But Clemson showed a little bit of, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence is not uh, John Elway just quite yet. Played 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 good against Georgia Tech, but he threw a couple picks. You know, I think uh, Texas A&M is really close to being really good. I could see this the game definitely going to the fourth quarter, uh, very competitive. Well, Clemson, I mean, A&M, for all intents and purposes, should have won last year in College Station. And they had the game won pretty much, and and – you know, lost it down there or t- near the end, and I, I, I agree. I, I actually, I think A&M can win this game. I know it. I know going to Death Valley is a tough place to play. I know Clemson is all, you know, all on a on another level right now. And but A&M, I mean, Kellen Mond is a great quarterback. I mean, he as an Alabama fan, he worries me. Uh, that game that Alabama has to go to College Station that worries me. So I think that I think I, I agree with you. I don't think that they're quite there on the talent level yet but they're very close and and very close with uh some good coaching and some good play calling and a, and a good quarterback can always keep you in a game towards the end and also i also like that the game's not at night too i think that's going to help a&m and i think it's a 330 start right so i think with it not being a night game i think that's going to help uh, a&m a little bit as well um i don't know what the i think the, i'm not sure about the weather with this i know the storm is going up the east up the coast it should be past South Carolina by then, but I, but you never know. So maybe the weather's bad, and that you know that that slows the game down. Though I will say, Clemson, the, the most impressive player for Clemson in Week One was their running back, not Trevor Lawrence with Etienne. Yes. Yes. He's he he's a game breaker at the college level. So that's something that A and M is going to really have to defend is is uh is that that running game of Clemson. Yeah, he's he he's a special player. He showed that last year, and he picked right up where he left off. And I, you know, like you said, Lawrence did show a little, a couple kinks in the armor, um, maybe, but uh, obviously that stuff can get corrected. But, uh, but yeah, ETN is is definitely the uh, the guy that Texas A and M's got to really, really contend with. And A uh, and M Clemson will will be one of the pewter picks here later in the podcast, so stay tuned for that. <laughs> I think the game of the I think the game of the weekend is LSU Texas in in Austin. LSU with a new offensive coordinator, the guy they, uh, the guy, a guy they got from the Saints, a very much wide open attack. I watched a good bit of their game last week against Georgia Southern. Joe Burrow played very well. They were very aggressive on offense. I know they're playing Georgia Southern, but I was very impressed with, with the attack, the, just the scheme they were running on offense. Um, Texas, again, third year of Tom Herman. Sam Ellinger, third year as a starting quarterback. I think they're about ready to explode in Austin. I think they've been recruiting very well the last couple of years, and I think this is going to be a great game. And I think the winner of this game could be is very much going to be a threat uh, to to make the college football playoff potentially. Yeah, but I agree. Also, <clears throat> both of those teams, if you look, you know, just within the where they play, Texas playing, you know, with Oklahoma. Oklahoma is the one that's made the 
the playoff the last couple of years. Texas could be the one that spoils that. LSU obviously always has been you know behind the eight ball against Alabama for the last eight years, seven, eight years. They could be a one that possibly spoils spoils that. So you have a couple teams that are kind of rising back up from the ashes after being down for for some time. And and uh, you know, I, I, it's also it's really cool to see it played in Austin, you know, and not on a neutral field. I think that's I think that's great. Um, and I, I, I right now I have to give the edge to Texas, but um, just I'm shocked. I am shocked that LSU is a five and a half point favorite. Shocked. I, yeah, I I I think and I will the, I will be. Uh, you know you know what you know when when I say shocked, you know what what that means for me. <laughs> Means uh <laughs> means get on the phone now. <laughs> Load the wagon. Let the let, to the uh wow. I I am stunned that they were a five and a half point favorite. I mean I I could see that game being a pick 'em, but I can't I can't see LSU being a five and a half six point favorite in Austin, Texas for that no. game. I mean wow. No. I uh I I I I'm a, there there must be something I'm missing. You know. I, they, <laughs> I mean, maybe there is. Maybe maybe I'm not. I haven't done. I haven't done enough research in the game. But man, I just that's just hard for me to believe that that that, that Texas is getting five and a half points at home in that game. So well, especially considering they're at home. I mean, that's already points that that you're giving them. So you're basically t- saying that LSU is almost a ten point favorite. I I don't yeah, buy that. Right. <laughs> right. I don't buy that. Not right now. Yeah. And I yeah I mean I, and so but uh, it, it, again that's gonna be a great atmosphere in Austin. You, you, you'll see your boy with his shirt off on the sidelines, McConaughey. He'll be he'll he'll be there'll be plenty of Buick commercials in the uh, in the ads for ESPN. No, with it's McConaughey not, driving the Buick. It's Lincoln. Lincoln. Oh, my bad, Lincoln. Yes, Lincoln. He'll be driving the Lincolns down the street and talking his Southern twang and all that stuff. So that'll be a fun night in Austin for sure, and that'll be a, that'll be a good finish to the uh, college football weekend. Sneaky game. Miami goes to North Carolina, where one Mac Brown pulled a stunner last week over Will Muschamp in the <laughs> South Carolina Gamecocks. Ooh, another SEC debacle. Jeez. <laughs> South Carolina's quarterback, the senior Jake Bentley, probably going to be out for most of the year with a foot injury. South Carolina blows a you know eleven point lead in the fourth quarter. Again, North Carolina won two games last year, and granted, Mac Brown's a good coach, but but South Carolina has to win that game 95 times out of 100 when you're up 11 points in the fourth quarter on a neutral site. And not to mention, you got oh, you by the way, you've got Alabama coming to to uh, to Columbia next week. Columbia, so, yeah. So so uh, yeah, that's not that's not a good loss uh, when you when you got the tide coming to town in two weeks. I think. I think this Miami North Carolina game is interesting because I think Miami, I think Miami is a pretty good team. I know they played Florida and lost to Florida, but they took them right to the wire. I think it's going to be a good. I think it's going to be a good. I think Miami's going to win the game. Actually, I know everybody's probably all over the North Carolina bandwagon, but Miami's got a good team. They got a, a freshman quarterback that played very well against Florida. If they can just shore up the offensive line a little bit, yeah, I think yeah. Miami's going to be a Miami's going to be dangerous in the ACC. Yeah, the offensive line was the problem in that game for sure. I mean, that that was a sieve coming through Florida with what ten sacks in that game. So, um, yes, <laughs> you got to protect the freshman a little bit better than that. No, you're right. You got that right. All right, last game, kind of a tricky game. 
Cincinnati goes to Ohio State, and you say, why are we talking about Cincinnati at Ohio State? First off, Cincinnati is a good, pretty good program. Luke Fickle, the head coach at Cincinnati, used to be the Ohio State defensive coordinator under Urban, the Urbanator. And, um, you know, Cincinnati beat UCLA last week. Chip Kelly's got a disaster on his hands out in uh, Westwood. But uh, tricky game potentially for, for Ohio State with Cincinnati in-state rivalry, you know, big brother versus disrespecting the little brother kind of, kind of situation, kind of, like an, kind of like an Alabama UAB situation. Very interesting to see how Cincinnati and Ohio State go Saturday, 12 o'clock in Columbus. Yeah, we should get a good look and see how, uh, like you said, with, with Ohio State's former defensive coordinator, get a, get a good look at Justin Fields and see how he does against a little bit better competition. Um, and, and with, like you said, the in-state rivalry. So, um, yeah, it should be an interesting game. I won't be watching it, but it should be an interesting <laughs> game. I forgot. You'll be, uh, you'll be watching. Will you be watching paper? Is, is Alabama – Alabama, New Mexico State, is that pay-per-view or is that SEC Network? No, I'll be at Fenway Park taking in the Red Sox and Yankees. But, oh, uh, I for, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Tell us about your trip. I forgot about that. Yeah, Boston this weekend, uh, Red Sox, Yankees on Saturday, do a little Fenway Park tour Saturday morning. And then I think they got the 305 Fox game with 405 Eastern, obviously. And then uh, Sunday night, going down to Foxborough, taking in the Patriots and the Steelers as they – they drop banner number, you know, 19, and uh, Tom Brady starts year 40. Um, 48. Fox. Yeah. So now so you and, are you and Bob Kraft gonna have a little? Are you and Bob Kraft gonna have a little excursion? He's gonna take. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna show me around town, take me to the nearest uh, uh, nearest uh, massage parlor for sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you, 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 Bob Kraft, and uh, old Raj, old Goodell, gonna be hanging <laughs> hanging out. Then are you guys? Gonna, are you gonna? Are you gonna be up in the booth eating uh, sushi with? Teddy Bruschi and Damian Woody. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We've got we've got all the, we've got the passes. We're ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> now I didn't realize you were a Red Sox fan. What, I, I'm not. I know you're. A, I know you're no. a never say die Atlanta Braves guy. No, I, this is just a this is a, a Fenway Park. Never been to Fenway before. Want to want to see it before okay. I die trip. And while we're up there, you know. Um, go see the Patriots and Steelers. I mean, how many That's times do you get to see the That's Patriots? That's a hell of a Steelers? weekend. Yeah. So now this is just uh, I'm not a fan of either of any of those teams. I, I do I do like Tom Brady. I have a lot of respect for him and Belichick. So I and and I do like the Red Sox, but uh no, it's all it's all Braves. Um diehard Atlanta Braves and obviously keeping it close to the family with, with the Tigers. But uh but yeah, so I hear you. That's good. That'd be that'd be an awesome weekend, man. I'd be, I, I I envy you right now. Yeah. While you're up while you're up in Boston, I'm gonna be uh, rehabbing, recovering. I'm gonna I got a little microscope. I got an arthroscopic knee surgery Friday morning. At I gotta be there at six o'clock in the morning. Gotta 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 have a little meniscus repair. So while you're up there partying like it's 1999, I'm gonna be uh, <laughs> laid up be- Friday and Saturday. I'm, I'm going to do everything in my power. If at all possible, I will be out watching NFL Sunday at a, at a, at a sports bar near me Sunday, even if, I, even if I'm on crutches. And <laughs> I, will be, I will be somewhere watching week one, all nine screens at one time. I will raise a Sam Adams to you when I'm, <laughs> I'm having one up there. A summer – was it a summer ale or summer is it a fall – Oktoberfest or whatever the hell it's all called? Yeah, they should have the Oktoberfest coming out soon. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah so i i i 
am envying you all the way and not envying my uh, knee surgery Friday. So my uh, officiating is on a hiatus for a couple weeks, about three weeks. So I'm going to be going back, back, you know what, crazy, not being laid up. But need to get it fixed, and we'll be good to go. All right. Now let's move on to the National Football League. Week one starts Thursday night, Soldier Field, Chicago, the hundredth year of the NFL. Lots of lots of celebrations, festivities, all that kind of good stuff this year throughout the NFL, celebrating a hundred years. You're gonna see lots of Peyton Manning, you're gonna see a lot of the Commissioner Raj, you're gonna see lots of tributes and all century teams and all these kind of things. So week one starts Thursday. In, in, in full on Sunday, we're going to do a division-by-division division preview for you. Real quick, we're going to give a little synopsis of each division. We're going to predict the division champion. When we're done with eight divisions, we're going to then pick our wild cards, and we'll pick a, a Super Bowl matchup. And these, cha- these are subject to change. <laughs> All right, let's start at the obvious one, AFC East, Mike. Oh, that's a real tough one. Uh let me – I think I'm just going to go out on a limb and take the Patriots in that division. How many times in a row have they won it? <laughs> well, I think, the, I think the key thing here in, the, in this division is going to be how do the second-year quarterbacks mature? Darnold in, in New York, Josh Allen in Buffalo, and potentially – and Josh Rosen at some point will be playing in Miami. That, to me, that's the, that's the storyline of this division is how, how do these guys pro- progress their team in their game in year two? I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are high on the Bills. Our boy Timmy and the Bills. Tim, <laughs> our boy Timmy and his Bills. But a lot of people think the Bills have a chance to be kind of a surprise team. Uh, Darnold and the Jets with Adam Gase at the helm now. Um, him kind of overthrowing the GM over there and all that stuff. So it's going to be interesting. Le'Veon Bell joining the Jets, helping Sam Darnold. Your boy Sticks Anderson at wide receiver. Um <laughs> So a lot of people, again, Buffalo, New York, a lot of people think those two teams could be better. I don't know about playoff teams, but could be pushing eight and eight type situation. So New England is New England. I think they're going to be uh, just as good this year. Josh Gordon is off a of suspension. For um, now. For now, yeah. That, 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 that's a great point for now. Sub- subject to change. <laughs> yeah, he might, he might be back in rehab by Sunday night in Fo- when you're in Foxborough. Yeah, for all we know. I'll let you know if I see him out at the club Saturday night. Yes, yes. But, um, you know, obviously the Patriots lost Gronk. They lost their center here in the last week or so with a, with a, with a uh, blood clot issue. But like you said, New England's definitely the class of this division. Your boy, you're, you're the, fin- the Finneys down in Miami are in full tank mode, you know, basically uh, tanking for Tua. Your boy, your boy Tua could be heading down to Miami. I will say – they they did get a nice they, they they definitely got a nice haul for for Laramie Tunsil. You had to make that trade if you're Miami. I don't care what, if somebody offers you two number ones and a number two for a guy, you got to take it. So I don't blame them for that. And uh, you know, be a long year down in South Beach. Plenty of plenty of good sections available at Joe Robbie. <laughs> yeah, in the sun in the sunlight. Luckily, that's covered now. But uh, yeah, I, definitely New England's the class. I think New York, uh, Buffalo are are fighting for second place. They're not making the playoffs. Not not in that. Not in the AFC. I, I don't. I just don't see it. I mean, you got it. You already you're already pretty much playing for a wild card, 
and then you're you've got a you've got the Chargers, you've got the Texans, you've got the the uh, Colts, possibly you've got the Ravens, the Steelers, even the Browns. Right. There's just too many teams. Um, but all right, so I, no no doubt we got New England, we got New England winning this division. So let's let's transition and move down to the South, AFC South. Obviously, the big news in the South is Andrew Luck's retirement. Uh, Brissett just got a nice extension a couple of days ago that they've kind of committed to him for at least two years. They signed Brian Hoyer as the backup, so they kind of solidified that position. The question is, can Brissett is Brissett good enough to win a division title? And to he's not going to be Andrew Luck, but is he good enough to to keep the train rolling? They got a good offensive line, good defense, pretty decent skill players. And also you got Deshaun Watson down in Houston with the Tunsil acquisition. You got Bill O'Brien pretty much putting all of his chips on the table. Um, and then you got Tennessee, uh, Mariota, critical year for Mariota, make or break year for him. And then in Jacksonville, you got Nick Foles in the mix. Can, can, is Nick Foles going to be the difference maker between them being 9-7, and 10-6, and six, or, or, or the old Blake Bortles? situation six and ten seven and nine your thoughts uh first of all i i think that people are really underestimating jacoby Brissett because of what they saw two years ago jacoby Brissett is going to be much better than he was two years ago people have to realize he came in in, the, in pretty much september and had to take over a team with no knowledge of the playbook and not a really good team around him. That team is much better this year. The offensive line is better. The skill players are better. The running backs, the defense is a world's better than it was. So I don't, I'm not so sure you just count the Colts out. Now, granted, he's not Andrew Luck. He can't make the throws that Andrew Luck makes, but he's not that bad. Uh, no, I agree. I think I think the winner of this division is nine and seven. This is going to be a yeah. this is going to be a knock each other off type of division. All four teams are capable. Yeah. You know, Tennessee's always scrappy. Jacksonville. This is I think this is going to be a definitely a nine and seven type of uh, winning winning division. Uh, again, the big question in Jacksonville is can Nick Foles stabilize that offense? I don't like that they don't have the skill players other than Fournette. There's not much at the wide receiver position and not much at the tight end position that I like in Jacksonville. And can Nick Foles prove to be a 16-game starter? He's not proven to be that kind of guy in his career. He's a perfect three- or four-game kind of guy, but he's not proven to be a 16-game winning quarterback. No, and that and that's something he does have to prove. And he's kind of the wild card of this whole thing because his play could really, could really swing this division one way or the other. I mean, Je- Jacksonville, two years ago, this team is a play or two away from the from the Super Bowl. So they're not that far removed, um, and they haven't lost that many pieces. Uh, so I, I, you know, I think that I think that Nick Foles is definitely the the X factor there. Um, I, Tennessee, I, I just I can't buy into them, but I think that in the end, I think the Texans are gonna. I, I think they have too much talent, and they have the best quarterback uh, in the division. And the best skill players around them, even though losing Lamar Miller hurts, they get Carlos Hyde. They get um, they have Duke Johnson now. So I, I like I like the Texans in that division. I think Carlos Hyde is going to be a sneaky good pick. Pick up. I think I think that guy has shown signs that he can be a, a you know, fifteen you know eighteen carry a game kind of guy and pretty productive if he gets a little help on the offensive line. So I'm with you. I'm going to take I'm going to take the Texans at nine and seven. To squeak, and this could be a tiebreaker situation too. I could see a couple. I could see you know 
I could see this being a uh, nine and seven tiebreaker situation, division winner with two teams tied at nine and seven. I'm going to give the edge to Houston, slight edge to Houston. All right, AFC North. This could be one of the more interesting divisions we have with Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland. Um, all the hype around Cleveland this offseason, you know, Pittsburgh, all the hype about them getting rid of uh, losing Bell and Antonio Brown. Maybe is that the is that the you know the thing they needed to do was kind of stabilize that locker room by cleansing the cleansing the locker room of those two guys. You got Baltimore, who's always kind of you know solid, nothing super flashy. They're they're fully committed to Lamar Jackson and that style of play. It's going to be to see how that style of play holds up over 16 games. And then you got a full kind of a full rebuild in Cincinnati with the new coach Zach Taylor and the Bengals. I I don't see I don't I see a pretty suspect year out of them. I I could see them going four and twelve and kind of cleaning house after this year in Cincinnati. But uh, I think Pittsburgh's the team to beat here in the in the North. I think they're going to rebound again. I could see this being a this going right down to the wire between them and possibly Cleveland. Um, my only concern with Cleveland is. Is there too much talk coming out of Cleveland? I don't like all the talk all the time, and, and, and there's only one football. Can Landry, Beckham, and Joku, Nick Chubb, and potentially Kareem Hunt, can they all be satisfied with one football? Yeah, we talked about this a few weeks ago, and you know everything's great and everything right now when it's all fun and games. You start losing games, you'll find out the character of a team real quick, and I don't think these guys are going to be okay with losing if they end up doing so. Um, I actually have Cleveland third in this division. I, I don't buy into it. I, I'm just not a, I'm not a believer yet in, in, the, in that, in, uh, even in my own Freddie Kitchens. Cincinnati's definitely out. I think it's, it's, it's definitely between, uh, it's definitely, I'm sorry, our, our power just flashed there. Um, <laughs> that's why it kind of caught me off guard. Our, uh, I think it's definitely between Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I actually have the edge to Baltimore just based upon the defense. I don't know what I'm going to get with Ben Roethlisberger without the studs that he has. He's been without Brown or Bell, but he's rarely been without both for, for an, obviously for an entire season. And can Juju do what he did without Brown on the other side for a whole season? You know, you got a James Washington on the other side. I don't know if that's going to be enough. So I have the Ravens winning that division. Pittsburgh finishing second, maybe by a game out. I'm just – I'm not a believer. I, I just don't think that, that that Lamar Jackson style of offense can be sustainable over 16 games. He's going to he's gonna carry the ball eight to ten times a game probably in this offensive scheme, and I just – I do not have the confidence that he, he'll be able to stay healthy or I don't have the confidence that he's going to be an accurate enough passer. He's going to have some favorable ma- – if they can run the ball, he's going to have a lot of one-on-one easy throws, but I'm just – I don't like – I just – I've not been sold on him as an accurate thrower. And I don't like RG3 in the, basically in the bullpen waiting to come out of the bullpen when Lamar Jackson gets squashed in one of these RPOs. So I'm going to give the edge. I'm going to give the edge to Pittsburgh. Very tight race with them in Cleveland. Um, and again, it wouldn't kill me. It wouldn't hurt my feelings one bit if Baker Makefield got lit up one time to, because he just he's just he's doing he's doing a lot of talking for a guy that hadn't won anything. <laughs> Yeah, he, I, I haven't seen the Super Bowl or the National Championship trophy he's hoisted yet. Uh, so show it to me when you find it. <laughs> he's good. He, he's good at grabbing his unit when he's playing Kansas and all. But let's, you know, 
Last year he had a great opportunity at the end of the year to knock Baltimore out of the playoffs. Had a, had a you know he's on the forty yard line. Had four chances from the forty. Couldn't get a first down, and that's how Baltimore got in the playoffs. So so please shut your mouth. Win four or five games in a row, then you can start running your mouth. You know. All right, let's go. Let's go west, young man. Let's let's like Digger Phelps used to say, send me west. AFC West, Kansas City, L.A., the Raiders, and the Denver Broncos. Who you like? I have, I, I have to give it to – I got to give it to the Chiefs. And the main reason that's holding me back for the Chargers is Big Bob Gordon out there holding out. And, and now, you know, more than likely going to get traded. I, I think that Eckler's a decent fill-in, Justin Jackson, but I, those guys aren't proven. And – I don't know if they're going to be able to carry the load for the whole season. Um, although I what love, is, I love their defense, but no, Der, no Derwin James broken foot out yeah. probably three months. That's not yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, I, I love their defense. That is a that is a big loss. But I, I, I don't know. By the way, what is by the way, what is Bob Gordon thinking, bro? This guy ain't. Get, they're not going to give him another penny. This guy's <laughs> going to forego six million dollars. Really. I don't get it, man. I mean, and nobody's I, and nobody's given San Diego a first round draft pick for that guy. No, I he can, hadn't proven the, the fact that he can stay on the field. He's always, he, I don't know, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know what he's thinking. But I, I, I have Kansas City in this one. I like what they did with, with their defense. You got the, you got the new coordinator. They, they went out and got um, D Ford, um, uh, not D Ford. Um, the guy from Seattle, Frank Clark. Frank Clark. They traded D Ford. Um, and, and and it looks like they're really, you know, made a concerted effort to to shore up their defense. That you saw what their offense can do. I don't think that they're going to have the same offense like they did last year in Mahomes' first year. You know, you, you've got the book on the guy now. He's still a special player, though. You got Kelsey. You got the receiving options. You got the running backs. Shady so, McCoy. Shady yeah. McCoy in the mix now. And and don't be surprised to see Shady McCoy carrying the rock in November, December. And, and, and because Andy Reid drafted that guy, and he loves that guy, and that's yep, why he went out and signed. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. I so agree. I, I think I think uh, it's Kansas. I think it's Kansas City's division to lose. I think Oakland's going to be a little bit better than they were last year. I could see them at eight and eight potentially. I don't. I don't like Denver. I don't like Joey Buttafluco uh, out in Denver, <laughs> quarterbacking. I think that's going to be a struggle for them. I think I know they got a good defense, but I'm just not. I, I don't know if. Flacco can can do it. Um, I do I do appreciate that you 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 bozos in my fantasy football league let Mahomes fall to me in the second round. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked at that, by the way. I couldn't believe that, but um, but yeah, I um, I think it's Kansas City's division. I, again, you're right. I don't think he throws for 50 touchdowns, but he'll definitely be at 40 40 plus. I think um, if the defense can just be 15 to 20 percent better in Kansas City. They should be that. They should be. They they should have a, a, a home a, a first round buy type situation. A one or two seed in the AFC, in my opinion. But uh, you're right. San, LA Chargers will be a very competitive team. Rivers is again. He's due to have all the luck go his way. Obviously, with with Derwin James out, the, the left tackle is out with some uh, other issues. Okung is is out for a while, but. And I and I think you'll see I think you'll see Melvin Gordon by week three back in LA running the ball. 
All right, so we're, we're content on Kansas City. Both of us going Kansas City in the West. So we got New England. We got Kansas City. We got Houston. And then we got a little difference of opinion between Baltimore and Pittsburgh in the, in the North. So, all right, NFC East, big news of the week. Zeke Elliott gets his money, gets his contract in time for practice. He, he was practicing today. He'll be playing Sunday. Uh is Dak Prescott going to get his money? Is Amari Cooper going to get his money? No, he's not. He's going to have to sweat it out. Um, do you, I, I, I don't know how you. I don't know how you pay Dak Prescott thirty-five million dollars. That's just me. But uh, <laughs> NFC East, I don't Philly. See pay, I don't see how you pay Zeke Elliott ninety million. Well, the one thing I'll say about that, you're right. I'm not. A, I'm not a huge fan of that. But the one thing I did hear today that if he does get suspended again, his his uh, guaranteed money is basically gone. So if he gets in trouble again and gets suspended, the Cowboys, all that guaranteed money turns into non-guaranteed money. So you will uh, – don't be surprised. I think that's a good, that was a good win for, for, for Jerry on that, getting that in the, in the contract. But, you know, Zeke, you can say what you want. Zeke is an impact player for that team. That team goes how Zeke goes. Um, NFC East, I think, uh, I think you're going to see – a down year in Washington, a disaster down there. You'll see Dwayne at some point this year. You'll see Dwayne Haskins with the Giants, same deal. At what point did he bring in Daniel Jones with the Bullfrog on his last last little hop Frogger style? Um, how many more times can he hop across the interstate without getting squashed? <laughs> but uh, cross the um, cross the New Jersey Turnpike up there. Yes, it's de- but it's, to me, it's definitely a two a two horse race, Dallas and Philadelphia. I would give the slight slightest of edges to uh, Philadelphia because Carson. I, I would take Carson over Dak, and I think Peterson's a pretty good play caller, got a lot of weapons. Um, so I'm going to give a slight edge to Philadelphia in the NFC East. Yeah, I, I have Philadelphia as well. I think Washington and New York are non factors. And it comes down to Dallas and Philly, like you said. I, I, I too do not trust Dak. Amari Cooper has an injury right now that could be a nagging injury all year. Um, look for, uh, by the way, look for Michael Gallup to make strides. No pun intended. And uh, I think that the I, I, I like Dallas's defense, but I, I just I don't know. Yep. I just don't I just don't trust Dallas. I, I agree with you. I think Philly. Has a, a more complete team. I like Carson Wentz a lot better in in a in another prove it year, as we talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, you got the better running backs. You got Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, and the receivers that are there with uh, Alshon and Deshaun Jackson back. So, I like I like the Eagles. I actually like them by about two or three games on, on Dallas. Wow! Don't don't forget about Ertz Mania tight end. The Mania will be well, running hey. loose down the field. That's right, and uh, hopefully he can be paying dividends for the Vipers week one against the Titans. The Ertz celebrating his wife's World Cup victory, his wife Julie Ertz <laughs> on the U.S. national team, uh, celebrating extensively this summer with the World Cup with the World Cup W coming back to uh, ten, coming back to the United States in a NW, NWSL city near you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we both got Philadelphia. Um, all right, NFC South, my home division, Atlanta, Carolina, New Orleans, and my Bucks. Obviously, we have Bruce Arians at the helm now in T-Town. Um, Todd Bowles in the mix. You got Scam Newton back at the 
back in the fold in Carolina with the with the pulled pork shoulder. You got uh, Maddie and Julio. Julio about to get his huge extension this weekend from all indications. And then you have Drew Brees and the Saints. More heartbreak last year in the in the, in the uh, conference championship game with the blown call and all that stuff. So, uh, your thoughts? Um, <clears throat> I don't like Carolina. I I just don't. I, I just don't. I don't don't really have to give you a reason. Um, I, let, I think <laughs> let McCaffrey eat. Let him eat. <laughs> I think that. Uh, and if he can hold up for another sixteen games, I'll be very very impressed. Um, I, I think that uh, I think Tampa is on the way up. I, think, I do I too. Arians. I think Arians is a great coach. I, I think he did wonders in Arizona. He did wonders for Peyton. He did wonders for Roethlisberger. And I think he'll do wonders for Winston. I don't know if the rest of the team is going to be able to to follow this this early. I think that they're a year away. So I think it comes down to New Orleans and Atlanta. And I think Atlanta is in a bounce back year from last year, but I still like New Orleans in that division. I, you, I'll, I'll take Drew Brees, Kamara, Michael Thomas. I'll take those guys all day um, and playing playing eight games in that dome. So I like I like New Orleans to beat out Atlanta. I have Tampa finishing a close third. I actually have them at eight and eight, and then uh, Carolina in fourth. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, uh, again, I, I'm not sold on Atlanta. I mean, I know they're going to be pretty prolific on offense. But until I see them being able to be a defensive team that can stop people, I'd have to give the edge to New Orleans. I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I know this is a home, it's going to be a homer opinion, but I think Tampa is going to be vastly improved. I think that the, the part of the team that's going to be exceptionally improved is the defense. I think Todd Bowles, as a defensive coordinator, is a excellent defensive coordinator. They're changing to a 4-3-4 three, three, scheme. They're going to be blitzing a lot. They're going to be playing a lot of man-to-man. Uh, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of excitement in Tampa. I think Winston's going to do do what he needs to do. He's not he doesn't have to carry the whole offense. He's got plenty of weapons. I think they're going to run the ball a little bit better this year than they have in the past. And again, I think coaching is the most underrated thing in the NFL. And this Buccaneer team is going to be so much better coached than they've been in the last couple of years. I think you're going to see a dramatic improvement out of the Buccaneers. And again, I think the Bucks in Atlanta are going to be right there fighting for second behind New Orleans. And it wouldn't shock me if, if it goes down to the last weekend, two weeks of the year, to see who wins this division. Um, I'm not. A, I'm with you. I'm not a soul in Carolina. I don't love Cam Newton. I think that shoulder injury is something that's uh, going to be ongoing for the rest of his career. I hope to God McCaffrey doesn't get hurt. But you're right. He's a, he's a he's the kind of guy that uh, could could easily become nicked up. And I think that defense is getting old. So yeah. I'll give New Orleans a slight edge over Tampa and Atlanta. Carolina coming in fourth. All right, NFC North. Kick off the season tomorrow night. Chicago, Green Bay. You got Minnesota. You got your Lions with the pencil. Um, <laughs> we got uh, a big year. A big year of expectations for Kirk Cousins after a disappointing first year in Minnesota. Um, you got Rodgers with the floor. All that. All that drama that's going on up there. And then you got Nagy and Trubisky. And can, can Chicago find a kicker and all that drama? So, to me, this could be the most competitive division in all of football. Uh, you, one could make an argument for all four teams to be in the mix. Um, but I think this is definitely a three-team race. I'm going to give – I think Minnesota – I don't know why I think this, but I think Minnesota is going to win this division this year. I think Cousins is going to have a good year. And I think Minnesota wins this division. Close. 
Um, as much as I would like, to, I'm looking at my uh, Westgate Superbook ticket that has the Lions at plus 8,000 on my futures bet that I made back in March. I would love to, to cash that in that I, that I made for 10 bucks and, and collect 810. I don't think the Lions will be there in the end, though. Um, <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> as much as I would love that, but I think that I, I, I just don't I don't see what the Lions are doing. I, I don't like what they're doing. And I think that they're stalled out in fourth place in that division. And I think it's a three-team race. But in the end, if you're telling me to, to pick between three teams, between Green Bay, Chicago, and Minnesota, I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers every time, especially over Kirk Cousins and Mitchell Trubisky. I think Trubisky looked a lot better last year. The Bears obviously won the division. I think they're going to be a, a good team. But I, I just I think Rodgers has something to prove after last year. He's he's running. The window is closing pretty fast there. They've got the skill players. They've got the running backs, the tight end. They've got the players. Um, so I, I like Green Bay in that division and it, uh, basically a pick them between Minnesota and Chicago for second place in a close one game. I didn't I didn't realize this. I, I heard this on the radio. today. I didn't realize Aaron Rodgers was 35 years old already. Yeah. I knew he was in his 30s, but I didn't realize he was 35. Yeah, and that's just—I mean—it's amazing to think he's been in the league that that long, and he's already 35. And uh, the one sneaky move that I think is going to affect this division—I don't think that—I know the Bears' defense is going to be good, but losing Vic Fangio is going to be a big move. I'm not—I don't love Chuck Pagano as the defensive coordinator. Um, you know, I know they got good players on defense with Mac and those guys, but I, I can see that defense coming back to earth a little bit um, if they—if people can block Mac. I think that defense comes back to earth a little bit with with Chuck Pagano calling the plays, and uh, so I, I I I think Cousins is finally going to get over the hump. Um, I think Dalvin Cook's going to have a really good year at Minnesota. Good receivers. I think Zimmer's still a very good defensive coach. So I'm going to take again. I'm going to take Minnesota in a close one. Again, my only thing with Rodgers, I'm not sure how good the Green Bay defense is. I, I think Green Bay will score some points, but I'm not sure what their defense will be able to do as far as stopping people. And so I'll, I'll go Minnesota. All right. Last division, NFC West. You got Jared Goff and his $110 million guaranteed deal. He just signed this uh, yesterday. You got the Rams. You got Arizona. New coach Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, all that good stuff. You got Jimmy G in San Francisco, year three of Shanahan, Lynch, and Garoppolo. And then you got the, the, the venerable – Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks, old reliable, grinded out, no more Doug Baldwin, no more Legion of Boom. Very interesting division. A lot of people have high hopes for the 49ers. I don't, I'm not a, full, a believer in the 49ers just yet. I think it's going to be a Seattle Rams down to the wire, and I'm going to give a slight edge to the Rams. Um. I agree with that. I had the Rams as well. I think that uh, I think that that gap is closing, though. Um, I think people have have uh, you know you got a little more game film on on McVay and what he does. I think Gurley and that arthritic knee is going to be a problem. I think they got some guys behind them, but I think that could be a big issue for them. Oh my achy knee! Yeah, ow, big time. Ow, ow. Um, I like Seattle. As as a cl as as close as well. I also I I think San Francisco is close. I don't think they're there yet either, but I think they're close. I, Shanahan's getting his guys in there. He went and signed Little Tevy. 
to come back and play for him. And, <laughs> and he loves little Tevy. He's all he's always loved little Tevy. So um, if they get that defense short up, they've got a great tight end in, in uh, Kittle Caboodle. And uh, I mean, uh, they have they, who 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 are their receivers? I do not. I mean, I'm just I. Don't, Marquise please, Goodwin Dante and, and Marquise Goodwin are not championship receivers. No, and that's Sorry. what I said. I don't. I don't think they're there yet. I don't. I don't believe they're there yet either. But I don't think that they're going to be four and twelve again. I think that they can win eight games. No, no. So, um, but I, I think they're in the right direction. I think Garoppolo is a is a good quarterback, and I think you put the right pieces around him, he could be a guy that can that can win you some games. So. I have the Rams in that division as well. Close, like like Lee Corso says, close uh, with the pencil up against Seattle. Yeah, your boy, your boy, uh, Jerry McKinnon with the grinding. I'm grinding my knuckles together with the knee. Full <laughs> knee problems in full effect for Jerry. Never. Uh, that's a, that, that, that guy made a wise financial decision. He got paid to go to San Francisco, and he basically hasn't played a down and has nope. made about $15 million. So yeah. Injury uh, which, settlement come uh, next March. <laughs> yes, he will be a casual a salary cap casualty with the grinding knee, the grinding knee motion that Pewter likes to do with the knuckles, <laughs> with the yes. knee, with the bone on bone grind. Yes, Dave, uh, Dave up in CBus knows exactly what you're doing right now. Yeah, you would like you would like it if we had if we had Skype video input. I, I need to in, input a photo on the on the podcast of the of the knee grind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've picked our division winners. Give me two wild cards from the AFC. Uh, Steelers and Chargers. That's okay. I'm going to go Chargers, and I'm going to go – God, I, I don't know why I'm going to do this, but I'm going to go Cleveland Browns as the sixth seed. They squeak in the back door as the sixth seed. So, yep. <laughs> All right, who wins the AFC? I mean, how can you pick against the Patriots? I mean, I uh, – yeah. I just can't do it. I mean, I, I can't do it. I can't pick if, against them. If they're the one or two seed, they're going to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. If they're I the one the or two. I think the Chiefs, again, I think it comes down to the Chiefs and Patriots. And I think the Patriots, if they're hosting the game, which they didn't even have to do that last year, but even if they're not, I still think they can win. I, I, Belichick finds a way in December. And, and that, that Mahomes offense and throw it all over the place, that does not play in December. It just doesn't play. And, and I think that we saw in January, it, it, I think we saw that last year. In January, that offense bottomed out because you can't throw the ball all over these good teams in the playoffs. So. All right. And it, so we're, I'm with you. I think if New England's hosting, they win. If they're the one or two, I think if they're the one or two seed, I think they find a way to win, unless it's just ridiculously, whether it was ridiculously cold last year. But what I like about New England is I like the running game. I like the ability for them to grind it out. Again, Gord, they got they got Sony Michelle. They've got a good, obviously the stable of running backs they got. If Josh Gordon stays clean off the weed, he's gonna. He, he I think he's gonna be the difference maker if he stays clean. All right, NFC wild cards. I'm, I'm gonna start. I'm going Dallas in a stunner here. I'm gonna take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a sixth seed. Slide in the back door as a six seed. Uh, I will not be going that route, um, <laughs> but I, I will take the Cowboys as as one of them. And I'm 
this is a coin flip. If you gun to head, I'm going to take the Vikings, but I think it's I think it's whoever does not, you know, I, I said whoever finishes second in that NFC North after the uh, Packers. I, I said coin flip between the Vikings and the Bears. I've got I've got the Vikings gun to head, uh, but it could very well be Chicago there. All right, and now your Super Bowl. We got all the team who Super Bowl. Who's going to the Who's going to the NFC? Who's the conference game final? Who's going to the Super Bowl in the, in the NFC? NFC. I actually have the uh, I have the Saints over the Rams again. A little payback, and uh, maybe even a, a pass interference review call to win it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I do. I have the Saints. I have the Saints beating the Rams there, and uh, and then I, again. I, I can't pick against the Patriots, but I'm gonna go Philadelphia and God, it's a tough one, man. I, don't, I mean, this, this NFC is loaded, man. I'm gonna go Philadelphia and I don't know why. I don't know why I think Minnesota, but I'm gonna go Philly, Minnesota. And I think Philadelphia is going to the Super Bowl. I think it's Philly. I think it's gonna be a Philly special rematch. Philly, New England. I think the game's in Miami this year, but is that right? I think I think it's in Miami, the Super Bowl. I'm not sure. Uh, let's see. Where is Super Bowl? I know next year it's in Tampa. I don't know where. I, I, I thought I saw maybe Miami this year, but I may be wrong. Super Bowl 2020 is in Miami. That's right. February okay, 2020 so I'm gonna go, Miami. We got Philly, New England. We, we know we will not have a home team in the Super Bowl this year. Yes, sir, Rebob. The only <laughs> thing, the only home, the only thing the home team will be doing is being on. They'll be on the clock by the Super Bowl. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, they'll be. Yes, they'll be getting. Got they'll, they'll, be, they'll be. Fine, they'll be building all the new Hawaiian restaurants for Tua to explore <laughs> in his, on his on his visits to South Beach in early March. <laughs> Who do you got? New England and Philly. God, that is tough, man. I'm gonna go revenge. I'm gonna go New England. I don't know why. Again, I, I hate. I don't like picking them, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go New England with revenge over Peterson and Carson. Your boy Brady wins the seventh, and he gives the Stone Cold Steve Austin to every every person in the crowd on the podium <laughs> with your boy Nance and Romo. <laughs> oh God! All right. Let's go some pewter picks. I'm going to give a couple pewter picks, and then we're going to quickly pick all the NFL games for this week. All right, pewter picks on the college circuit. I don't know how A&M is getting 17 and a half, but give me A&M 17 and a half all day long going to Death Valley. That's one of them. Maybe the pick of the the, the, the pick of the year so far might be Texas getting five and a half at home. I don't know how that's happening. But give me your boy Tom Herman. He's a giant killer when he's an underdog in a ranked team. Give me Tom Herman plus the five and a half in Austin. I love them. I like in a – give me USF plus six going to Georgia Tech. Kind of a sleeper one there. And give me Miami of Florida minus four and a half going to Chapel Hill to bring Mac Brown back to earth in the uh, – in the uh, ACC ACC game, give me Miami minus four and a half. Those are the four college games that I love. All right, NFL games. All I want from you, Mike, is a winner. No point spread, just a winner. Thursday night, Chicago Green Bay. Chicago. I'll take Chicago close, but I could see yeah I could see Green Bay winning the game. 
All right, Atlanta goes to Minnesota. Many. I like Minnesota as well. Washington goes to to uh, to uh, the link with your boy Sal Powell. Yeah, I take the Eagles and those points too. Loaded, load. Yeah, that that's going to be a teaser. That's going to be one of my teaser hosts is Philadelphia come Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Buffalo getting three points going to New York. See the Jets. I like the Jets there. I like I like Le'Veon to do a lot of li- heavy lifting. Hopefully for the Vipers. Is your boy is your boy Gates going to have the smelling salt on the sidelines? Oh yeah, kick it off with the <laughs> with the eyes wide open, with the with the the eye for talent, with the eyes <laughs> lids wide open. I will take. I'm going to take Buffalo. I, I'm, I'm going to take Buffalo in an upset there. Baltimore heads to South Beach. Uh, I'll take the Ravens in that one. Yeah, let's have a big game out of out of your boy Mark Ingram, who's finally on my team. I've I've never had him before, and God, I'm gonna pedal him as fast as I can pedal him if he has a good game. <laughs> with the pedaling motion. Yes, Dante with Dante doing the pedal. That's right. All right, San Fran coming to Tampa. Lock of the week here, Tampa Bay double digits, score 30 points this week against San Francisco. Win by double digits in a big home opener for one Bruce Arians. I like San Francisco there. Okay. Kansas City, tricky game here. Kansas City minus three and a half goes to the confines of one Jacksonville, Florida in the heat. I can see Jacksonville winning that game. I, I have Jacksonville winning that game. I think, you know, the NFL is known for these surprises in week one, and I think that's one of them. This could be a heavy, I think, heavy Leonard Fournette. But I think somehow, I think Butker kicks a, kicks a game winner at, at the gun. Kansas City escapes. Tennessee goes to Cleveland. Uh, I, I like Cleveland. A lot of hype early. I think that they, they ride that momentum early. I do, too. I think Tennessee's in a little bit of a disarray on offense. Give me Cleveland in that defense. Tricky game here. The L.A. Rams go to Carolina, minus two and a half. L.A. Uh, that's a tough game. It's an early kickoff in Carolina, which is th- a three-hour time difference all the way over there. Um, possibly some, you know, wet fields and stuff. I like Carolina. I do, too. I think it's going to be a uh, McCaffrey. I think defensively the Rams are going to struggle a little bit. I think Carolina will just have just enough defense. I like Carolina as well. Your Lions go to the desert to see the to see your boy Cliffy and Tyler. Well, I can't pick against my own team, so I got to take I got to take the Lions. I think yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of carry on Johnson. I think it's going to be a has has the, did the coot where where did the coot where did the coot end up? I don't know where he. Ended up. I lost track once he was gone. <laughs> where, I mean, how can you lose track of the coot and shoot? I'm Come sorry, on, man. Didn't really work pan out for us real well. I need okay. All right, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take your lines as well. I think I think the defense is gonna be better. Patricia, year two is gonna be a little bit better. All right, Cincinnati goes to Seattle, blowout city here in 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 the Great Northwest. Blow blowout city for for sure. This is gonna be a Carson fest for all you fantasy owners out there. All right, Indianapolis, Brissett goes to L.A. to see the Chargers and your boy. P-Riv with no more Tyrell. Tyrell went down the street to Oakland. 
I've got another upset here. I think Indiana. I think Indiana. Indianapolis shocks them. Wow. Okay. All right, all right. Who, who, who's Tyrell? I told you, Tyrell. If you run the post route, we're gonna get you paid. I told Tyrell's you, just run the post. Tyrell's catching, catching passes in front of Berman on, uh, or uh, in front of uh, Pam Ward on ESPN two Monday night. So. <laughs> or is that is that uh, Beth Mowens? Beth Mowens. I'm sorry. One of, Beth Mowens. One of the Lou two. Riddick. Our boy. Our boy Lou Riddick. All right, here we go. Giants go to Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, I think Dallas by double digits. Zeke's going to play well, the defense, and you're going to see the Bullfrog struggle in Big D. Sunday night, where you'll be in person, Foxborough. Steelers come to come a calling. Raising the banner in Foxborough, New England. Yeah, Gronk, yeah. Gronk's going to be there, think, getting his ring. Yeah, but <laughs> I, think, I think Sony Michelle, Josh Gordon are going to be, yeah, I think the defense. I think the defensive backs for New England are going to be the difference here. All right, Monday night, Houston goes to New Orleans. Interesting game there. New Orleans minus seven. I think that's one of the best games of the week. Um, I agree. I I don't like the seven points, but I'll take New Orleans in the Dome on Monday night. But I don't like that seven points. Closer, Yes, closer than the experts think. I could see New Orleans getting upset at home. I think Deshaun – you know, one of the kind of a scramble. I think late a late drive by Deshaun. I'm gonna give me Houston, and I, I like Houston in the seven, but I think Houston outright here. Your boy Big Laramie at left tackle. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that I think I think Houston's got an excellent shot. I, I I like New Orleans, but I, seven points is way too much in that game. Yep. All right, here we go. Last game of the night out west. You got Denver. Butterfluco heading to Oaktown, last year of the Raiders in in Oakland. Johnny nope. Gruden. Did you? By the way, did you catch the end of Hard Knocks? I did not. No HBO. Oh man, your 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 boy got cut. Who's that? Your boy. Who's your boy? Will 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 Wilson. Oh, uh, Luke. Big Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Big Luke got what? Got whacked. Luke Wilson. Will, Will, Wilson. Get him now, Seattle. Bring him back. I like Oakland here. I think Carr is going to play well. I think I think Antonio Brown, Josh Jacobs, my boy Tyrell. Tyrell. I think yeah. I think Oakland wins this game. I think Oakland wins. They've got a you know they've got a, a few more games playing. Uh, you know where the second where the fifty yard line is right about second base in the uh, in the Alameda Col- Coliseum. <laughs> For the last time, yes. so the A, the A, the A's are the A's are right in the wild card chase with your boy Matt Chapman leading the way. Still, still needing that infield dirt to be nice and hard. Yep, yeah. So I, I like Oakland there. Always fun to see a late night Monday night game on uh, opening weekend when you get to see Oakland uh, playing on the dirt on Alameda Coliseum. So yes. All right. So my pewter picks, real quick. I love Tampa Bay. Pick them at home. I love Tampa Bay Pick'em. I like a teaser. Tease it up, baby, with the Ravens and the Cowboys. Uh, I love I love those two. I like Seattle in a teaser, and I love Philadelphia in a teaser. So if you like teasers, those are my four big teaser plays. I think uh, I like Oakland Monday night. Pick'em at home as well. And I like Houston plus the seven. Go make, go make some money from your man. Bubba, I'll see you at the at the Waffle House one of these days. <laughs> 
Maybe at Buffalo Wild Wings with the Apache, too. <laughs> <laughs> or Simon. <laughs> oh, God. All right, Michael. I appreciate it. It's a good episode. Good preview. I love uh, – we love talking NFL, college balls. It's hard football season. Thanks for, the, thanks for the input, Mike, and we'll see you next time on the Powers on Sports Podcast.